I'm Father Dennis Strack. And I'm Katie Prejean McGrady. And this is Ave Spotlight. Is that a grape soda, Father? Grape bubbly. (laughs) Ever had one of these ones? Can you hear me okay? We can. And do you drink um, bubble water? Like the fizzy water, LaCroix, or any of those? Ooh, I, I do, but not before I get on a microphone. <laughs> Good call. Um, <laughs> when we evacuated for the storm, we brought some with us, and it's been like my, I mean, we've since bought more, but it was like my my precious. I, I felt like I was Gollum hiding from everybody <laughs> in the house because I'm trying not to drink too much caffeine, but like that's my treat to myself. You know, you're a LaCroix, you're faithful to LaCroix, right? It's not bubbly or anything else. I was, but my new favorite is AHA. Have you had them? Uh-huh. I'm a big fan uh-huh. of the, the peach AHA. So, Anne, do you have a favorite? Okay. Uh, LaCroix. LaCroix, okay. All right, Fine. so we each... Fine. Yeah. This is actually all relevant to the podcast because I think we can agree that LaCroix or bubbly or AHA is good, but we could civilly <laughs> dialogue about the differences in the... Good the the value of each and that's kind of your thing tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world today ah uh, katie okay so i um Ecarito. um what do i do in the world today i wonder that on a regular basis <laughs> so um historically i would have always said i'm i'm on the faculty and i still am i'm on the faculty at aquinas institute in st louis missouri um, I have taught my background is in homiletics. That's what my doctorate's in. But I would say probably the golden thread that has run all the way through the story is I have always been interested in communications and kind of like what, how do we use conversation to form relationship, but then also how can conversation fracture relationship? How do we heal relationships through conversation? So probably the thread that runs all the way through is kind of an ongoing concern around quality of conversation. Um, So that's connected for me with homiletics, but then it's also connected for me with conflict management, uh, mediation kind of work, uh, pastoral theology and pastoral care, like all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why? Like we're like, that's my main, like that's a really specific area of study and I love it. And not many people seem to care about that. So what, was the reason you did care about that? That's a good question. Not to spring it on you. And sorry, Father, that was not in our lineup. But as you were talking, I was like, that's a really fascinating area of study that not many people are willing to plunge into. Right. I think, I don't, I mean, for me, it is, I mean, for me, part of it is a sense of call. Like, I didn't think, like, oh, this would be a really great idea of how to spend my life. It's more something that, that came in a different direction. But I would say, I guess I grew up in a very loving family um, where there was great care of word. And I think um, as I've worked more and more in in the wider environment, I just don't see that same same kind of care of word. Mm -hmm. So, and for for me also that goes, it would be part of the Christian commitment uh, one way that I would particularly connect with Christ would be that in the gospel of John, where it talks about, 
Christ, in the beginning was the word <laughs> and that everything that God does is about communication. Like there's, unless, unless God speaks a word, there's no way of knowing what's inside of God's head. So it's like, we come to know God through word. And then each of us comes to be known by the words that we use and, and how we speak. So I don't know, for me, I, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily the beginning of the story, but I, it's more something that I've arrived at over time, but it's definitely something that I'm aware of as part of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Really beautiful. That was sort of my question coming into this. What was the, with, with your background, especially, what is the connection between the words and the word? Um, mm -hmm. And as someone who has, again, studied um, uh, theology and, and in a particular way, preaching and taught homiletics, I mean, we've used your, actually your name come up at din came up at dinner the other night. I was sitting with Father Mike Connors. And, oh, uh, excellent man. This week. So um, we used your text mustard seed preaching at some point uh, during my time in the MDiv. And, um, but, but that was sort of my question. I think as we talk about civil discourse for listeners, I mean, we have a pretty broad audience, I think. Maybe what are we speaking about specifically? Um, and maybe you're hinting at this just now. What does it have to do with the Catholic faith? There, there's definitely a connection between the revelation of God's word, how the, how the Lord speaks to us. Um, so maybe what is civil discourse and, and what does it have to do with our faith? So in the broadest sense, I think any time that we're speaking as Christians, whether it's in the pulpit or not, should be a form of preaching. Now, what do I mean by that? Is it that mean that I'm explicitly always talking about Jesus or whatever? No. But it, what it does mean is that every word that I speak needs to be true. <clears throat> needs to be a reflection of something greater than myself. Now, this is pretty heady stuff. I don't know if this is where we really want to go. Um, but for me, then, that means that all forms of Christ all forms of communication, if Christians begin to see really what's their vocation in the wider world, when we're talking about Christian communication, we're not necessarily talking about how are you evangelizing? Like how are you talking about Jesus on social media or with your friends or with that? That's important. But even more fundamental than that is how are you talking, period. So I keep encountering a lot of people in the world, or, uh, Christians who are really, really, they find it really important to communicate that Jesus is the truth. But I don't think they've ever asked the question, first off, is just like, what do you mean by that? And <laughs> before you begin to talk about Jesus being truth, what do you mean just by the word truth? Mm -hmm. And is, and um for me, part of the way I communicate Jesus's truth is if every word that I speak is true. Mm -hmm. And so what I, I think we need to ask questions around truth at a much more fundamental level. And that's what um, I ended up, that, that's kind of like where my zone of a lot of energy is right now, is asking questions around what does the spirituality of truth look like in the contemporary world? And, and then what does it mean to communicate truthfully and truly? That seems to be a challenge of the moment. Um, maybe because of social media. Yeah, maybe because uh, everything is so fraught in the world. It's like nobody's allowed to have any sort of an opinion on anything without potentially offending somebody or getting some sort of a response. Like even if I were to generically say, I like grape soda. Oh, does that mean that you hate you know, orange soda? No, I just happen to like the grape soda. And so then the conversation quickly devolves into sides. Um, when we know truth, it seems then that perhaps that civility in conversation can happen. So what I ended up 
writing about when I was when I was working on this topic in particular um, was I looked at the ways just that in everyday English language do we use the word truth mm-hmm. because oftentimes we're imposing those on anything that we're like in our theological statements or so how do we use the word truth because I could say something like it's true that if I jump out of a four-story window I'm going to hit the ground or I could say it's true that grape soda is better than orange <laughs> or I could say Truly, you know, like so. But what I'm meaning, and when I'm what I'm meaning when I'm using this word is in a couple different ways. Um, so when we're talking about when it's true that I jump out of a four-story window, I'm going to hit the ground. What we're talking about there is kind of that classical definition of truth that would be rooted in Aquinas and Aristotle, which means having a brain that's aligned with reality. Mm-hmm. So that where there's a, there is, from a Christian point of view, there's a real world that's out there, and we want to have a brain that's aligned with it. So if, if you're going to hit the ground when you jump out of a window, we want to know that, because otherwise, really dangerous things could happen in our life. Um, we also, though, use the language of truth a lot in our everyday speech, when I say, like, grape soda is better than orange or whatever, to express, it's, kind of, it's not really having a brain aligned with reality, it's having a brain aligned with what's the greatest good. And when I'm doing that, that's what I would begin to call a judgment or an opinion or conclusion. And when I say that something's an opinion or I say that something's a judgment or conclusion, I'm not saying that it's not true, which is, I think, a mistake in the wider world that we're making right now. But I'm talking about truth in a radically different way than I'm talking about truth when I'm talking about gravity or quarks or how many planets there are surrounding the sun. So if that first category is kind of around facts, there's another category of truth that's the category of like how do I figure out what's the best thing to do here? What's the should or the shouldn't? What's the um, um, like what's the objective that I'm shooting for here? Um, and I think within the Catholic tradition, that's a different category of truth, but we would also say as Catholics that we can talk about that category of truth also and that some opinions, are better than other opinions. Some judgments are better than other judgments, but we're gonna need a set of tools for having those conversations than we're gonna need for determining how many planets there are spinning around the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes those get so conflated in the conversations that we're trying to have. Um, and they get so tangled and so messy because oftentimes we're using the same language for trying to have two different kinds of conversations. I was thinking about that just a few days ago as we read the reading about uh, fraternal correction and sort of like mm-hmm. constructive criticism. Uh, and that even in those moments, it's not about uh, it correcting the person so much as it's like bringing them into truth. It's bringing them in something that's true in God or bringing them something in true in like the moral life or something like that. It's mm-hmm. calling them, it's bringing them back into the fold to th- like that line about if you win back your brother, uh, sort of like with the assumption that you're bringing them back into how God thinks, how God sees, how God acts, how God loves, how God forgives. Um, and it's that. not necessarily that one of us has it and the other one doesn't, mm. but rather in the conversation, we both might be illumined to see more of how God mm-hmm. sees, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when I'm, quote, correcting my brother, all of a sudden my brother tells me a part of the story, which I'd be like, oh, I didn't think about that angle of it before. And now both of us are a little bit closer to the perspective 
uh, a fuller perspective. Mm -hmm. So both of us might be a little bit, we might see more of reality than we had seen before. And I might also, because I see the way my actions are impacting you or your actions are impacting mine, I might also see a little bit more of the good. So God is the only one who we would say has perfect vision of real and good, um, both of which are names for truth, but both of which we are, one of my favorite quotes that comes from a colleague is, reality is like a bazillion volts of electricity. Most of us are dealing with 60 watt brains, right? So I mean, like reality is huge, good, huge. These are huge topics. Um, most of us, we're, we're trying to grasp it with the best capacity that we've got, given the size of brain that we've got in our skull, but none of us has the fullness, and it's mm -hmm. in the act of conversation that I come a little bit closer toward a fullness. So, so what, are, what are some of those tools then? And especially, I, you know, I, the, Father Dennis and I are millennials. Right. In having these conversations, I think a lot of the conversations are happening in 140 to 280 character I wouldn't even categorize Twitter as a place of conversation, but they're like pithy comments that get made or in com boxes on Facebook or around dinner tables with relatives of different generations and different mindsets. What would be some like practical things to have that civil discourse where we are both working towards capital T truth um, without hurting each other or ruining a friendship with an ad hominem attack or you know, I'm guilty of, I'll just block someone if I'm annoyed. And I know that's not necessarily always very fruitful, but it's like, nothing's going to happen here and I'm not even going to try. What would be some of your tips? So Katie, I think you raise a couple of important questions there. One is whether or not the medium by which we are trying to have these conversations is a medium that has enough weight mm -hmm. to it, enough heft to it, to actually hold the depth of conversation that we need to be able to have. And when we're talking about social media, oftentimes my own, my own judgment, you can bite back with me here, <laughs> but my own judgment is oftentimes we're using a medium that is not worthy of the weight of the kind of conversation we're trying to have. So whether or not some of the best tools that we've got for breaking open, cracking open where stuck situations, places of impasse, whether or not really social media has the capacity to do that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm listening to people who are in the millennial generation like yourself, which I am not, who are arguing that it does. And I think I need to listen better and find out more about that and find out what their experiences are. But my own limited experience would seem to indicate, I'm not really sure that that medium is going to be able mm -hmm. to do it. Um, that having been said though, sometimes what I do think social media can do is to put us into conversation with people that then we can take offline and do it in other modes of communication. So what are tools for that? When I'm trying to arrive at truth as at the, in that classical sense of I'm trying to come to a deeper reality, things that help with that, gosh, science, logic, reason. When I'm trying to deal with truth at that level of, okay, so we're not really debating gravity. We're not really debating uh, how many people are in this crowd. We're not really debating the scientific facts. When I'm in that second category of truth that I'm talking about, where I'm trying to figure out what's good. So now I've got these facts on COVID, for example. Now the question is, we're not oftentimes really debating the facts. What we're debating is which facts matter, which ones have the greatest, which ones should, which ones are the most relevant one to deal with in this situation? Which facts have the greatest weight? Um, and those are the questions of 
is this better than that or worse than that? You know, like, sh should we go out without masks when we're exercising or shouldn't we? Like, it's not that we're debating the facts. Now we're beginning to debate what's the greatest good that could happen here. Mm -hmm. So I can't really have those conversations unless I have good facts. But now, even once I have the facts, it doesn't mean it's going to solve the situation. That's where, that's where the tools of conflict management, difficult conversations, really can be super helpful. Um, to ask a little bit more, you know, to find out what the, what the other person's experiences are, to find out um, why is this such an important issue for them? Um, it doesn't come from nowhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so to ask people to share a little bit more at that level, to share more about um, why these facts are particularly relevant for us, why they mean so much to us, what are we afraid will happen if we go in a different direction? Um, when I begin to ask about what is the impact of my judgment that I've made on you, when I begin to share about you taking this stance and how does that impact me, um, those kinds of conversations oftentimes, they don't necessarily help me to persuade the other person to see things the exact same way that I do, but what they can help with is for me to begin to understand a little bit better. I still don't agree with you, Katie, on this, but if I was in your shoes mm -hmm. and if I were working with the same data points that you're working with, and if I had had the same experiences growing up that you've had, um, and if I was in the situation you're in right now, I can see why that would make a whole mm -hmm. lot of sense. And so asking kinds of questions around inquiry rather than advocating my point of view is one of the ways that can really break open truth yeah. in that second category. Well, and then that's, I mean, that's civility. That's not, I'm, I'm just trying to browbeat you. That's actually growing in relationship. Um, right. Which, which is, is another way of talking about truth, isn't it? Because if I talk about truth in terms of not just getting a mind around the facts, not just pursuing the greatest good, not just having a mouth aligned with my mind, which is being honest, it also think about another way of doing truth is like marriage vows. I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about truth there, we're talking about a way of being in relationship a way of being faithful mm -hmm. to one another, even when maybe we don't disagree, when we don't agree with each other. Yeah. Oh, we could keep going. I love that. <laughs> I'm learning about truth. <laughs> well, and the great danger, I think, of what happens online so much is we get really wrapped up in the first category. This person's got bad facts, which is a real problem. Yes. <laughs> or I don't agree with this person's judgment, which also I think is a real problem. Um, the question is, how are we going to be in relationship with each mm -hmm. other? And we can't, as Christians, say, I have fully embraced truth if I'm not also asking that question. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much for what you shared. It was an honor to meet you. I heard so much about you. Um, I want to transition to something Katie and I do um, each week. We name a hope for the week. So something that's on our mind or heart, something we're praying for um, in these days. Uh, I would just say after this conversation, something I'm hopeful um, for, especially as a preacher, is to be able to do this well. I know that, um, especially as these issues and civil discourse align with kind of like this political season that we're in and uh, getting closer to the elections, I know that's just like such a, um, it's always on the minds and hearts of preachers how to um, speak boldly the word of God. Um, uh, 
but to do so in a way that people can really hear the word um, and uh, not maybe be distracted by these um, the, the polls that we often find ourselves the, the polar um, polarized issues that we, that we find ourselves in the midst of we could be distracted by the issues and not maybe hear what God is speaking to our hearts like you were saying how, how that word's being how that word is unfolding how grace is unfolding um, I think they have to be able to take some of these things into my my own life and to put such an emphasis on listening. Um, that's a great place to start and a good focus point for me. Um, praying, praying that I, my, my hope for this week would be to look, to listen more attentively to what those, like you said, those issues aren't coming out of nowhere. Those those issues that people care most about. So being mm-hmm. more attentive to those issues and trying to hear where people are coming from. Um, Katie, what about you? Um, I'm hopeful uh, for, I don't know, peace. I know that sounds silly, but like in listening to this conversation and thinking about civil discourse, I can think of a few people that all that are very online that always seem to be very mad. And so I would just like wish peace and hope for peace within their hearts. Um, I sometimes joke that if, if your world has become so consumed with arguing on Facebook, it might be time to get off of Facebook. Uh, and so I would just, I would hope for peace for those people who maybe need to make that choice, myself included sometimes. And how about you? What's your hope for the week? I think my hope for the week might be at this stage in the game to remain hopeful. Mm. Um, there's a lot about this work. Um, when part of your work is listening to people's conflict and listening to people's challenges all, all week and, and find out about the arguments that they're in and how stuck they feel and how hopeless they feel around it, it's hard not to begin to lose hope Mm -hmm. um, that we could be a different people than we are right now Um, and I I need to do things to continue to keep myself um, grounded also in reality which is bigger than this moment and the good that is bigger than this particular moment and even if finding it in really tiny little ways um, to my hope would be to continue to find tiny signs of hope in this time, to keep nourishing and feeding the spirit so that the energy can remain high. I love that. This moment in history. Yeah. Even your hope is very Joanine. Remain, remain in me. Remain, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's great. great to meet you finally. I've heard, again, I've heard so much about you in class and from Father Mike and from our preaching program here at Notre Dame. Um, for other preachers out there, for our listeners who are maybe interested in learning more about you and your work, uh, where can we look? Well, um, you can check out my website, angarito.com. Uh, you can find my books at Ave Maria Press. We've got some great discussion guides that are up online too for like communities that want to strengthen their communication with each other. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of great resources that Ave Maria has been making available, for which I'm very grateful. Awesome. And we'll put all of that down in the show notes. And thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm glad to get to moment with both of you. This yeah. is amazing. Go I'm find some that I'm, <laughs> I'm wishing both of you an amazing week. Ave Spotlight is a podcast from Ave Maria Press. You can find all of our episodes over at AveMariaPress.com. Click on the free resources button and you'll find our webpage, as well as subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Since this is a fairly new podcast, we are hopeful and, and grateful 
um, for reviews that our listeners will give it to help more folks find the show um, and listen to these Monday morning conversations between uh, a priest and a mom about what's going on in the world and topics relevant to faithful everyday Catholics. You can also find our other Ave Maria Press podcast, Ave Explores, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as the Ave Maria Press website. As always, we're grateful for all that you do and how you support Ave Maria Press, especially by listening to these shows that we are creating. We hope you have a great week.